We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Lord boys are in the building. It's a Tuesday. Great day left. We're going to hear from the linebackers tomorrow. And we're going to talk about the linebackers and who we expect to emerge a little bit later in today's show. Because as we expect the wide receivers to emerge, based upon what we've seen early and how they're teasing us in some of these practices, we're also being teased with a lot of blitzing and the practicing of blitzing from the linebacker position. And it's safe to say that blitzing was not a strong suit for Notre Dame last year. (laughs) They like to do it. The linebackers looked like they would just go and waltz and dance with the offensive lineman or the running back. And then the safeties would be blitzing from like Happy Valley. with no chance to get to the quarterback and just telegraph what they were trying to do defensively. So hopefully the timing and the purpose of the blitz will be totally different this year and lead to different outcomes. I lead yeah. you to go ahead, left. Go ahead. I was gonna say yes, I think you know that we it wasn't very threatening to say the least, us blitzing last year. So I think to have more impact with guys like, you know, Jalen Sneed running in there, I think it'll show a lot more intimidation and and a lot more uh, result uh, when blitzing like that. I um, take us to the athletic with a big-time friend of the program, Bruce Feldman. He's been on with us multiple times, left, And he did a great article. And the article is founded on what traditionally is successful coaches in year two. And he contrasted by beginning the article talking to Sonny Dykes, who, of course, came in year one. And Gary Patterson was a TCU legend, in my opinion. You might not consider him a legend as a head coach in college football, but at TCU, he was pretty successful in establishing that program and was a pretty – Cast a pretty big shadow, in my opinion, on Sonny Dykes as he came in to forge that program under his leadership. And they end up in the national championship game against Georgia in year one. And, of course, it's a new day. So the transfer portal definitely allowed for that program to revamp, to keep some of his players, 
and to win the Big 12 and get into the playoffs, shot Michigan. And then, of course, we saw them get decimated by Georgia in the championship game. But Sonny Dykes just talked about it being a surprise to him how successful they were. And he has more questions in year two than he had in year one, which, which is crazy, right? Like, he came into year one not knowing how his team will perform. He's getting new guys in, doesn't know these transfers coming in. He's having to learn on the fly, trying to learn his coaching staff on the fly. And all of a sudden, they get going and they end up in the championship game. Now he loses a lot of players. Once again, he has to hit the transfer portal. And by the way, they won one, they were one of the top three teams in the transfer portal as far as successfully getting talent in. Once again, coming off of that championship uh, game campaign. But he says, look, I have more questions now in year two. I've lost staff after year, year, lost leadership, lost guys to the NFL. Quentin Johnson's possibly going in the first round. So the TCU situation was definitely an anomaly. Give me the three things that Notre Dame fans can expect to be much better in year two of Marcus Freeman in comparison to what we saw last year? I think starting fast is one of them. Uh, starting fast in the sense that uh, I think as a offense, we would click a lot faster this year and a lot more things would be greenlit for us this year to operate uh, much um, more productively. I think defensively we're getting – uh, more senior and more athletic in the positions like a uh, linebacker in the secondary that have grown, which like we talked about a little earlier, the blitz I think will be more impactful. So I think uh, um, limiting the things that were the, the hugest impacts on us, like the running, uh, running game for opposing teams being over 100, I think we'll see, if anything, that be the number one thing that Marcus Freeman has addressed. And you'll see that early on with our young linebackers mixed in with the veterans that are uh, still very solid. So the that's one thing. The second thing, I think we'll see more explosive plays from our secondary. So two of the three will be defensive, I believe. But the secondary, a lot to prove, a lot to uh, bounce, uh, a build on from last year, being a elite group that we have on the team. And then offensively, I think uh, what we expect to see different from Marcus Freeman is to see him more relaxed. <laughs> mm. I think the offense had him wound up and, and a lot more tight than he probably uh, wanted to be during last year from either we running the ball too much or uh, having crazy mistakes or not uh, being productive as we should or not closing out games as, 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 uh, as he knows we can. So I do believe he has a lot more trust in the offense this year. So he'll be more relaxed. I think we'll see him more uh, engaged with uh, transitions of big plays or maybe even with the ref be more engaged, but not just be so reserved this year as he was in his first year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The other coach that he used was Kevin Sumlin when he arrived at Texas A&M, and he replaced Mike Sherman. And, you know, they spoke to the players, and the players in the interview talked about how everything sped up under Kevin Sumlin. And everything became about competition. Kind of some of the similar things we hear from Marcus Freeman. And Kevin Sumlin and Sonny Dykes both agree on one thing. The most important hire starting out is your strength and conditioning coach because they're the ones that spend more time with your kids. They spend more time with your players than anybody. The strength and conditioning coach. And really, that is the base of a program because you can really take your program to the next level. I always point back to what you used to talk about, Lev, how revolutionary, whether or not you believe it was illegal, steroids, or whatever. But the strength and conditioning that Nebraska had in the 80s and early 90s, when you would see them come out on the field, bro, it, it it was an advantage. It just was. It was an advantage. And it really wasn't until they met that Miami squad in 2001 that was also big and strong, but just had great men. What, they had something like 23 NFL players on that squad? Mm. When they met Eric Crouch and the Cornhuskers in the championship game and just outclassed them. But that run which was based off of Tom Osborne changing the strip and conditioning part of Nebraska football and the program exploded, kind of leads into what Sonny Dykes and Kevin Sumlin are talking about and how important the strength and conditioning coach is to a program, especially when you're going in trying to get buy-in from players. Absolutely. Strength and conditioning is huge. I think you saw that with Brian Kelly and his one-year change to uh, to Bayless and, and impact it had uh, a, an undefeated regular season. You got guys getting drafted. You produced what the winningest class. You got the winningest coach out of it. You know, so you you definitely see a huge change in in a short time when you have a, a strength coach because, like you said, it is the guy you spend the most time with during that time. Personalities. Do the players take on, because you love player-driven teams, Left, You've always said that. You feel like the most successful teams are player-driven. If that's the case, do the players take on their own personality 
or do they take on the personality of the head coach, but then just kind of build out upon that with their own personalities? I think the team is set up great with Marcus Freeman's personality, his coaching style that the team can take on and be able to develop themselves as, okay, we got the backing from our coaching and the coaching staff. Now let's build on that and believe in ourselves. And that we got a lot of players that these guys have been knowledgeable enough to recruit to bring in here and we can make it a championship squad. We've already played the video of uh, Oklahoma defensive back Malcolm Kelly, right? Back when the Sooners were popping as a program, you know, how he was, you know, freestyling in the locker room. And you see what we saw from the squad running out into the lacrosse field, being led by Cam Hart. Cam Hart is out there with the lacrosse stick, screaming and hollering. That's that's so not Cam Hart, bro. Like if you literally, if you watch Cam Hart walk around campus and watch him in practice, because he is the OG. So when he's going through the drills, like you will see Christian Gray on his right-hand side and another DB on the left-hand side. They're asking questions. He's talking to both of them. He's leading the drills. He's getting guys hyped up. But expecting Christian, I mean, expecting Cam Hart to be that dude that we saw on the burn that day, I actually love it. I actually love it. I don't know if we would have seen that same Cam Hart come out under Brian Kelly, but under Marcus Freeman, I'm glad we could see that other side of Cam Hart. I think it might be some of the younger players bringing it out of him. Yeah, I think the inspiration is there for older guys to get inspired by younger guys and vice versa, especially, you know, Ben Morrison and Cam Hart pushing each other in, in that way that, you know, Ben Morrison, ben Morrison set a tone when Cam was absent, that mm-hmm. Cam being the big brother would love, I'm sure, to compete and raise that level and being healthy. Uh, when he gets back, a lot to prove on both ends, but you get to see uh, that these guys are more, are pushing each other through their own talents, and Marcus Freeman has fostered a, a competitive environment to where guys aren't just going to be able to just go through the motions. You know, you're going to have a lot of competition, and uh, hopefully that stems uh, for greater uh, unit productivity from the, 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 the units that we're looking to do uh, the most damage, which is the receivers and the linebackers this year. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Left, we talked about how the defensive line should be better. I think it sh- they should exceed expectations, which are low, in my opinion. And I'll say it again. You're Notre Dame. And if you're losing a second-round pick, and two undrafted players on your defensive line, if you can't replace that at Notre Dame, there's a bigger issue. Like, if you don't have the talent on your roster to replace two guys that probably would go undrafted and a guy that's going to go in the second round, then we have some bigger problems at Notre Dame that we need to solve. So talent to me is not the problem. That's not the problem. Opportunity is the problem. They have leadership. They have Howard Cross, Riley Mills. Both have played a ton of snaps at Notre Dame. 
and they've been productive. You had Gabriel Rubio up the middle who came on in the second half last year. True 300-pounder, true right? You have Devin Houston, who's not participating in the spring, but he's 282 as a freshman. And if he's as good and as, as quick as we've been told, then he should be able to get into the rotation. You have Jason Anya and Tyson Ford, Donovan Heinish, who's game weight. Look, you go out you recruit these kids that are four stars, they should be able to play and produce at this level of college football. Because in my opinion, you didn't lose much. Like, okay, you lost Isaiah Foskey, but in totality, you didn't lose a lot of top-notch talent no. along the defensive line. We should be able to replace that or even be more productive as a total unit, to be honest. And then you get Javante Jean-Baptiste coming over. If he can get anywhere from eight to ten sacks and be disruptive, you've got your bang for your buck in the transfer portal along the defensive line, which leads me to what we always talk about, because stopping the run does not fall solely on the defensive line. Right. J.D. Bertrand has no excuses but to be better this year. Right. None. There, there is no inconsistency that should show up in his game. None. Now, if he just flat out gets beat by somebody in the hole, okay, it happens. But the inconsistency of false steps and not reading properly and not coming down he here. Can't be, he can't be the – the glaring mistake that happens on defense. Not saying he can't mess up, but you know how some guys mess up, you'd be like, man, like, why is it so like obvious when you mess up? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You get burnt or toasted. Like Nick Coleman. Oh, I love Nick Coleman. I always bring him up. I love him to death. Yeah. But like, yeah, DBs get the ball caught on them. But when Nick Coleman got the ball caught on him, you'd be like, oh, my God, put your hand up, turn your head around. So that's what J.D. can't be. You know, J.D. can't be the guy where we see the other team's offense put the running back on outside and got a one-on-one, yeah. and they throw it to him. Yeah. That's got to be an incomplete. Yeah. You know, just yeah. because of where you are on the team and what you need to be showing as a leader. Yeah. Maris Lee a foul? I don't know, Lev. I look. I think he's got unfortunately, I think he's been out recruited in his position group to where I the, younger, that. the younger talent is so talented that it makes the older class look like the older class. <laughs> hmm. It's like, oh, it's the transition from a Carlos Calabrese to a Jalen Smith. It's like Car hey, Carlo was on a, a championship defense, and he's on a championship defense. He's on a championship defense, so we're not trying to make Carlo sound like he was trash. But Carlo, Carlo is not Jalen Smith, but he was not Jalen Smith, exactly. And, and that's the transition that happened, similar to Jared Grace. Jared, uh, Jared Grace was coming in as the, the transition, but then he Jalen Smith came in. So when Jared came back, it was like, damn, like, man, you got Jalen sitting there. Can't just take him out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel Maris is in that position where, yeah, he's more veteran and probably knows more than a Jalen Sneed, 
but I would want a Jalen Sneed out there because he's talented. Right. You know, one yeah. of those things. It's one of those things left where if there is a true comp- competition, um, Nolan Ziegler should be on the field along with Jalen Sneed. And we're just being we're just being honest. And we don't get to see everything. And I pointed this out yesterday. And you can talk about it because you're a coach. I feel like there's a difference and we'll see improvement in the linebackers because James Laronitis was a great linebacker. Yes. Max Bullock was a very good linebacker, but he was not as talented physically as James Laronitis. But he was just as productive. So Max Bullock was one of those linebackers that had to put in that work. He had to put in that work. So from his coaching style, I feel like his coaching style is going to benefit the linebackers in contrast to James Laronitis being a really good linebacker and can relate. But sometimes it's hard for the best players to really be able to translate and coach as well as others that might not have been as physically talented. Plus, James Laronitis walked straight out of the sports radio booth to coach. Max Bullock has been coaching under Nick Saban and coaching for years. He's been doing this. So I'm betting on Max Bullock to assist in the ascension of the linebackers, specifically the young linebackers, to be able you know, to kind of take over that position and make the position far more productive than it's been previously. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, that's just that's just my just from watching him coach, the way he coaches, that's something that I definitely see being a benefit moving forward. But if things are going to be true, Jalen Sneed and, and Nolan Ziegler have to make an impact this year. They have to. Yeah. Like hearing about practice. And hearing about how good they are, how talented they are, they are, how fast they are, all right. It's almost like waiting back in the day, right? Because back in the day, we didn't have, you know, leaks. You know, it was like a street team putting posters up in the neighborhood. Right. And you really didn't know when an album was coming out. You didn't know. You just heard somebody beating it down the street in that car and you're like oh snap what's that right where'd you where'd you get that from where'd you get that cd from and you went and got it it's like it's almost like man we're tired of hearing and reading about these young linebackers like it's about time for us to see it in action yeah like i've seen the movie trailer 50 times 50 times man i'm ready to see the damn thing so I definitely think he's going to make a tremendous difference as a, as a coach, GA. And then overall, you know, the, the cream rises to the top, right? That's right. If they're, the most, if they're the more talented linebackers, they should see the field. And that's, the field. That, and that's how we have to operate as a – That's how we have to operate as a team that's 
trying to cross into the tier one um, level of competition in college football. I think we're like a tier two, maybe tier three right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. John Massey says you got to play the younger guys or it will hurt recruiting. Um, as I said before, one of the things I pointed out to you left is how intentional Max Bullock was on Saturday when it came to Jaden Osbury and Drake Bowen. Right? You know how they tell you, you know, the old saying is if the coach stops screaming at you, if stop mm -hmm. worrying, you should worry if coach isn't screaming at you. That's right. Because if he is screaming at you, that means he thinks there's something there. But if he's if he's not screaming at you, you should worry. And for him to be as intentional with the freshman means there is an expectation that's being put on these freshmen to do it the right way and get it done quickly. Because the quicker you learn to do it the right way, the quicker we can get you on the field. We need you to be ready to play. That's right. And I love that because that's something different that we haven't felt or seen at Notre Dame. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jalen Sneed, they play all man, he can play a lot. He can play weak, he can play rover. It's a lot of different positions he can play. You can move him around, he can be a chess piece, specifically using his blitzing skill, which in some third downs, he probably can line up at a viper and blitz off the corner if you want him to, so you can get an extra linebacker or extra safety or defensive back on the field. It's a lot of things they can use with these talented linebackers. I expect them to take a step forward because at this point, there are no excuses. There really are no excuses for this linebacking core not to become prevalent. Jay Carr has a question for you, Lev. Let me see. Uh, what's my Chipotle order? Okay, okay. So I get the <laughs> I get the bowl. If I'm going bowl, I go brown rice. Sometimes I put the uh, vinaigrette on the rice first. Just mm. depends on the Chipotle because you know they like to say we don't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? Just open it, you know. So, but if I just do the brown rice. I do the uh, vinaigrette, then I get some fajitas, then I do half chicken, half steak. But lately I've been doing the new chicken, so I've been doing the new chicken and the old chicken. And then I'll go a little corn, a little tomato, and a little sour cream. You got to say a little because they love to think this is the cafeteria in high school where they dig to the bottom of the thing and then just slop it on there. I'm like, just give me a little man off the top, you know, make it look like something off the master chefs that you be watching, you know, just dress it up. Make it look delectable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then I get the cheese and lettuce. Then I tell them to shake it for me one time. You know, you shake it up Then I get the guac with the, with the chips, you know what I'm saying? But then I go back and get the little mini chicken quesadillas. I don't do the big one. Right. I'm like, give me the kids one. Cause it's like my little warm up to the bowl. See what I'm saying? 
Yeah, he is deep. He is yeah. deep. Okay. It's a method, too. Uh, Notre Dame says, wifey gets free reign of his plate. Mm. Man, you're a good one, bro. You're a good one. You're a good one. Because I'm telling you, the missus puts her hand in my plate. I'm going to get another plate. It's like, yeah, go ahead and have it. Just go ahead. Yeah, have it. yeah. You can have it. I don't nah, I don't do that. John Massey, Malik, who talked the most trash on the teams you were with? Kavari. <laughs> that was easy, huh? Kavari Russell came in the door <laughs> talking trash, huh? We all talk trash, you know. But Kavari would talk trash all the time. So Kavari would talk to the point that you would want to whoop on him. I think we all talk trash to that. But y'all, it, y'all were hectic then. That's we a hectic, hectic squad. But we were hectic. But we loved each other, you know. But it was like, you know, winning was premium. We ain't got no conference. You know, every game super important. You got to be up for it. Right, so right, right, right. We competing in everything, you know. So we all damn near wanted to fight each other for stuff, but. Kavari would talk trash like win, lose, or draw, which is which is fair. But it's like that type of trash. You're like, all right, bro, you got it, man. Oh, what? Uh, what? You know what? <laughs> That's the way you have to do it, right? If you so, is that the way to do it? If you're gonna talk trash, you have to be willing to do it at all times. Yes, I, I 100% agree with that. But at all times, when you're doing the action, right? If we play in the game, you know, you talk a trash, win, lose, or draw. But if we're right. not playing the game and you still talking trash about the game, you're like, all right, man, you got it, man. <laughs> so this brings me to a perfect point. And this isn't for, like, Petty Train. You remember Van Lift, the player from Louisville, who was confronted in the yeah. uh, congratul- congratulatory uh, shake line at the end of the game between Texas and Louisville in the women's tournament, right? And the young lady told her, look, you called me out of my name again. I'm going to put those hands on you. So they faced off against Iowa Sunday night, left. And Mm -hmm. Louisville was down 15, and Van Lift was still talking trash. This is the game in which I was Caitlin Clark dropped a 40-point triple-double on mm. Louisville. 40-point mm. triple-double. And in doing so, Van Lift is talking crazy with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And Caitlin Clark turns to her and says, man, you need to shut up. Y'all down 15. <laughs> which was better trash talk? See, that's me. I'm Caitlin Clark, bro. Yeah. Like, dude. Look at the scoreboard. Like, you're doing all this yapping, but do you give credit to Van Lift for, like, being who she is and talking trash no matter what the situation is? You respect it to where you're like, okay, I get it. You know, where Caitlin wasn't responding how the Texas girl responded to her. Right. Where it's like, oh, I'm trying to fight you. It's more like, okay, you, you chatting, but what's up? You look at the scoreboard like – Right. I think that's a healthier form of talking trash, but it's good that that uh, what's his name Heather or something? Yeah, that she stuck with her guns. You know, she you could tell she's salty, but I've never seen a, a good loser either. So if you're gonna be a loser, be a, a good one. Uh, you know, uh, one that's gonna talk trash going out. 
and I think that's good banter to, to, to give her the motivation for next time or vice versa, whatever it is. Man, I, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, yo, she pretty much told her, man, all that yapping, you sound like a little chihuahua right now. Y'all nah, ain't on nothing. Y'all ain't on nothing. Check that scoreboard out. We beating the crap out of y'all. Oh, man. Let's see. I thought I had something special for us, but I see I do not. So we're going to do it like this. I want to say congratulations to another player that made his screen debut last night. As I was watching TV, I was like, oh, snap. And I thought I was going to be able to bring the slide up. Up for left. Ooh. And I thought you would have known this already. So this is what I'm going to do, left. Since it's not acting right on the share screen, I'm going to take a screenshot of it right quick. And I'm going to bring it up. And then we're going to do it that way. I'm take a screenshot. <laughs> Got the screenshot, and hopefully, people can recognize this former Notre Dame player. All right, there it is. I should be able to come back in. And I'm surprised you didn't know this debut was happening, left. What happened? I would have, man, I definitely would have expected you. To know about this debut. So once again, the linebackers will be speaking to the media along with Al Golden tomorrow. And on Friday, we get to hear from the wide receivers. That should be pretty cool. Okay, yes, here we go. And LeVon Whitaker is going to join us on Thursday to talk about the effects of the new coaches around the campus, man. New volleyball coach, new basketball coach, Marcus Freeman, Neil Ivy, just the vibe around the campus. He's going to talk to us about it. And um, we're going to talk about how legendary Things can be around the campus. All right, here we go. This Notre Dame player made his debut last night on All American. There you None go. Other than Max Redfield, I, that's why I said you should have known about this, love. Oh yeah, I already knew Max was doing it. You know, I was him like, man, Dave, you should have known. And the Butler in the acting scene. I'm like, yo. <laughs> I'm watching it. I'm like. They literally captured Max. Like, yeah, that's Max. Yes, yeah, Max. That is Max all day, every day. He even did a small little gritty. Yeah. On the screen. Yeah. So shout out to Max yeah. Redfield on his All-American debut last night. Big time. I was Big like, time. yeah, I know I knew Left had to know about this. Man, you gotta holler at me when somebody get on that snowfall episode or something. 
Oh, you didn't know? You didn't know? You didn't know I made it? Yeah, yeah, I already know. You, you didn't just know, like you didn't you, know I made you, it? Just like you was back there with Frank. Yeah, Frank. you didn't know I made it? I'm that surprise dude that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm the one that catches Teddy slipping. <laughs> I'm the one that catches Teddy slipping. Not a series. Sensational. All the way from Vegas says, if you could pick who is your starting, who are your starting linebackers? Sneed, JD, Prince Collie. That's three. And then... Leave the last one for Nolan Ziegler or somebody. Put a freshman in there or something. Jay Nosberry. <laughs> it's too soon for Jay Nosberry, but I'm telling you, when Jay Nosberry finally gets on the field, he moves different, love. That kid can play. You know what time it is. Petty card. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Stories of the Day brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Throw Lamar Jackson on the Petty train, man. Man, they hey, up, man. Hey, that was perfectly done yesterday, my dude. Right before your head coach had to speak to the media, go ahead with the ambush. Mwah. Masterful. Mad Petty, but masterful indeed. Yeah. Pay my man his money, man. Stop playing. Or yeah. send him somewhere else. I think he's just a just one of those. He's one of those guys that doesn't understand the big business of the world. Yeah. Cause he's been living in his own world for so long. But you know, you in a business where the business is always business, no matter how good you are. So pray good. Chicago's own Patrick Beverly on the petty train. Talk about LeBron. Who can, who can welcome LeBron James back to the lineup only as a Chicago we can? <laughs> he is a you know that crazy. cat Patrick Beverly he's hit crazy. him with the he's crazy hit him with the two small and then after he hit a, a bucket late in the game he ran down the court ran past old Unk <laughs> himself Shannon Sharp and said they stink yeah yeah, yeah. they stink which they do. Yeah, they absolutely do. Yeah, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, let's see if they make it to the playoffs. And Stacey King was mad petty for doing that Shannon Sharp impersonation after he did it, too. I don't know if you saw it, Left, but he did Shannon Sharp. (laughs) Stacey King was wrong for that, man. Yeah, he was mad petty for that. Anybody else you want to throw the petty train? Man, the petty chain always grows, but I'll sure have somebody tomorrow. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna tell you something. Let me go ahead and tell you something I would do right now. This would be mad petty, but I'll, I'll do it right now. I would trade Dak Prescott for Lamar Jackson right now. Oh yeah, but they don't got no money though. I'm just telling you. 
I would do it. If I were Jerry Jones, knowing that his contract is dead, yes, you can have Dak Prescott right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. You have him. And a first round pick. And a couple of more picks. Yeah, Dallas would be nice. You give me Lamar with that offensive line. And man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Lamar to Dallas. I like it. I'm going to tweet it right now. Okay. I might tweet it right now. Oh, no. I love Dallas. And I would trade for Lamar Jack. I would get rid of that Prescott right now. That's right. Because Dak Prescott's not taking you anywhere. No. He's not taking you anywhere. He's not. He's not. Hey, did you see the latest mock draft, man? I haven't. They got your boy going fourth. That's comical to me. You want to know the two quarterbacks they have taken in front of Bryce Young? This is crazy, America. They have C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson take, being taken ahead of Bryce Young. Only in America. Only in America. I'm going to have to end it on that note. Have fun with that one. For left, I'm Sean Davis. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. But most of all, you have to make sure that you spin it different. We'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.